from Lo-Fi Arts, this is Refigure with Chris and Reefa. A weekly dive into the arts, culture, tech and diversity. Do not be bash. I'm trying not to be. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to episode 12 of the Refigure podcast, our regular bite-sized truffle hunt through the arts, culture, tech and diversity. I'm Reefa. And I'm Christopher. How are you? All right. What's going on? This episode is kind of a Netflix special, I guess, or a telly special. For this episode, we watched two Netflix shows. First, the psycho freakout drama Maniac with Emma Stone and Jonah Hill. And then also Darren Brown's new TV special, Sacrifice, in which Darren solves racism. What? <laughs> now, before we get going, let's tell everybody what we're planning to do over the next few weeks. So Refigure's going to be a seasonal podcast with each season lasting 15 episodes. I don't know where we came up with that number, but that's all right. So we've got three more episodes to do for season one, which will finish in November. After that, um, before the end of the year, there'll be a couple of special one-off episodes, including for Christmas and a Q&A and our review of 2018. Already excited about that. And then season two of Refigure launches in early spring 2019 with some sexy new content and souped-up equipment, but really it'll just be us talking nonsense as always. New jingles. Sexy jingles. If you already subscribe to the podcast, then you don't need to do anything. The new episodes will appear just like magic. So if you're enjoying it, please subscribe, tell your friends about us, and best of all, leave us a nice review. So, Chris, what's in the post bag? Have we even got a post bag this week? I haven't written anything down. I had some nice comments, actually. Um, oh, that's good. Kelly Westlake. Oh, Kelly. Kelly Westlake of Radio Reverb and other things said, listening is a highlight of my week. Oh, Kelly, that's so sweet. Thank you. Kelly's a brilliant radio presenter herself, so getting praise for her for a podcast is praise indeed. Praise Exactly. From the... Yeah, thanks, Kels. And I'm sure Lewis McHale also said something nice, but I've forgotten what it was. And a few weeks ago, Lewis gave me a list of a couple of things that he suggested we look at. And I wrote it down in my notebook of the show at the time. And then since then, I've lost that notebook. So I can't what? remember what he said. And we've moved on anyway. Where did you lose the notebook? Um, I don't know. Where maybe did you last have it? On the beach, I think. What? I know. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I don't think so. It's in here somewhere. My main topic this week is the Darren Brown special Sacrifice, which popped up on Netflix. It's, I don't know, Darren Brown's done loads of specials now, it's something like his 12th or 13th TV special. And it was a really fascinating, pretty gripping story whereby Darren Brown found a racist, found a bloke that really hated immigrants. His name's Phil and he expressed some strongly anti-immigrant views that crossed the line into being racism. He, he was definitely a white supremacist, albeit uh, a, a kind of non-violent, pleasant one <laughs> to look at, who was in London but was a Floridian-American. And Darren Brown's challenge was that by the end of the programme, this guy, Phil, would take a bullet for an illegal Mexican immigrant. 
So he uses loads of kind of his usual blend of psychobabble and trickery and setting up enormous stage sets with everyone else being an actor where Phil thinks that it's a normal place and gradually brings him to a point where he thinks he might take a bullet for this Mexican immigrant. I think um, when you say trickery, what he was saying was that he did his brain training on him like over a very short period of time. Having like used techniques and um, CDs and stuff to help brainwash me to stop smoking. This was outrageous. Like, this is what I kept saying all the way through. It's got to be an actor. This The whole thing's a spoof. Because there's no way, only a period of little, short period of time, that you would train your brain to, like, like some sort of thing out of um, a sci-fi movie where he hears a noise or he hears a, a tune and suddenly he becomes like a robot and has to has to kill. <laughs> he does the opposite. He has to, like, save someone. I found that really bonkers because, you know, like, you have to really want to change in order to have change. There was a bit in it where they said that we're going to, like, induce some empathy in him. We're going to, like, make him be empathetic so we're gonna make him sit in front of a a a brown man and look into his eyes for five minutes now i've done this with groups of people in meditation classes where we're all up for it and people fall about and they can't do it they're embarrassed they get um sort of upset sometimes it works it really does work if you do it but you have to be sort of open to it but they didn't show any of that and then next thing he's like falling apart and crying i mean obviously he interviews people in order to find the susceptible ones who will be able to do this stuff. But yeah, I found the whole thing a bit weird. And like Darren Brown is a magician. He's a fake. He's a, it's not real. Those sort of brain training techniques do work. But you said, you know, like somebody would have done that anyway. The previous Darren Brown special, which I looked up, which was called Push to the Edge, the idea was kind of the opposite, where his plan was to get unsuspecting people and see if he could take them to the point where they would push someone off a building to their apparent death, right? And what happened was the whole show, as we saw it on the telly, although we didn't see it, was about one bloke who at the very end refused to do it and backed out and didn't do it. However, then they revealed that there had been three other people that they'd done along with Uh. it who'd all done it, who'd all pushed someone off, and then weren't prepared to be part of the programme. Obviously, (laughs) completely traumatised by the fact that they'd basically been tricked into almost murder... Well, thinking that they'd killed someone. Now, I haven't seen this. I'm just going on what I've read about it. But I can totally see why he'd reverse that and make this guy a hero rather than a villain. All right. Because we, as a viewer, take a journey with him, which, I mean, I'm not saying anything about the morality of this. This is problematic as well, potentially. But by the end... This poor This poor little racist, we, by the end think of him as a total hero but we haven't actually got any confirmation that he's changed his intellectual views he's not asked a questionnaire about do you now think that immigration is different all he's done is opened up a bit more empathy and generally it's a sort of spectrum of racisms okay racists what they do what people think is there's people who are kind of ignorant and then there are who don't know things who might say oh don't you speak good english right then there are people who are properly anti-immigrant and anti-immigration and are upset about a lot of things they've got their own issues which we would say they're racist right and they're acting in a racist way and yet they don't think they're racist as he said a number of times 
people who are sexist or racist don't think they are and they would draw the line at violence against people presumably but they won't let their daughter marry one (laughs) marry an immigrant um sorry i'm laughing but this is the thing about this what they were juxtaposing was that the extremists the people in the story that he encounters who want to kill somebody who's an immigrant they're the ones who everybody else the middle people think of as racist they're obviously nazis or obviously want to do some violence against certain groups that's what he was trying to say i think was that there were a bunch of people in the middle who were just ignorant of their own dna in fact the bit where um, they went and like dug around in his ancestry and found out oh surprise surprise this girl got a little bit of mexican in him that was all very interesting too so you're saying that if you got all the middle soft nice little but scared little numpty racists and forced them to confront some real nasty racism that would push them in the other direction i'm saying it's about education isn't it it's about learning like reading the right newspapers and getting the right information separately to the moral issues around all this stuff that darren brown does which is very clever manipulations but is it the right thing is it a good thing to do or not I really found the programme itself gripping from beginning to end. Stepping away from the ethics, it was a phenomenally exciting, visceral, tense, interesting programme. And it also kept quite pure on the topic. Basically, we saw this one person's journey. We were told at the beginning what it was going to be, and it was that. But all the way along, it was just really tense. And I loved it. I just loved watching it. I don't mean I loved it ethically or thought it was a... But I really enjoyed the programme. What what did you feel about the programme? It was like a thriller, wasn't it? It was like a scene in um, Breaking Bad because I can't really suspend my disbelief and I'm always wondering how the fuck he did, does these things. And also because he used these techniques of like placebo and um, the brain training stuff. That I found interesting. But I was always looking for the, for the, for the seam, for the line. At least from what he's saying, outside the programme to the press... For example, there's aftercare. So there are now a group of people who have appeared in Darren Brown's specials, different shows, who now all know each other because he has a kind of community-based aftercare where he stays in touch with them. A and support they all, group. Yeah, they meet each other because they do have to go through quite a lot of stuff afterwards. Well, that's good. But that doesn't mean I don't think he's we're being manipulated on a very high level all the time. But I just don't think something as blatant as making it an okay. actor. And the thing about reality TV is everyone knows how to do that now. And I almost think that's part of why it works, is that people who think they're on telly start at a very deep level performing, which is kind of like what happens with hypnosis on stage. Like People on stage, when they're being hypnotised... Because you hear them when they are interviewed afterwards saying there was a sort of bubble in behind me and I could sort of know what was going on but I just couldn't control it and I just let... It's like letting things happen. Yeah. I almost think that's what gets him at the very end. It's this blurring of the reality of living your life or performing your life for an audience that Darren Brown really is great at taking advantage of. Awesome. Shall we talk about the other thing that I found a bit more interesting? Mainly because there was more women in it. <laughs> Because this was like Meathead City, this one. (laughs) That's very good. (laughs) So, Reefa, what was your main topic this week, also on Netflix? I enjoyed 
a maniac this week. I have to say, everything's a bit like not five star for me at the moment. Everything's a bit three and a half, four star. So this is the series that's based on a book from the 80s with Emma Stone and Jonah Hill in it. And it's about these two characters whose lives literally get enmeshed because for different reasons they both subscribe to a clinical trial which is like cutting edge and it's going to sort out all their problems and it's set in the future except because the book was written in the 80s everything in the series looks and feels like vintage 80s tech which I think is really fun so the room where all the participants of the clinical trial have to live reminds me of the room on the spaceship where um, alien happens where the alien bit John Hurt has something inside him. Anyway, that all that stuff looks really cool. Oh, we got to pause because our Thai food is here. Chili. Uh, yeah, it's chili hot. It's all good. Maniac. I thought it was like one nice long film, so the quality was really good of the writing all the way through, and it reminded me a bit of films like you taking notes there, love. <laughs> um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh yeah, I reminded me of one. that one. It reminded me a bit of um, you know, like these people are connected and they're looking out for each other, but they're from really different worlds. And each episode is a kind of different world. In fact, like they play suddenly different characters. It all makes sense in the end, which we like that, don't we? A bit of a conclusion at the end where everything's tied up. You're right, it had a proper ending. I like the psychological elements of it. If you're someone, and this is a whole generation of people, who may have taken some um, things that they shouldn't have and had psychotic episodes, then it might not be quite right for you and it might make do some flashbacks or something. I don't know, there is an element of that in it. What I particularly enjoyed was all the campness and the, the business around the supercomputer having sentience... Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, a sentient supercomputer having emotions and empathy, which we love that sort of stuff, don't we? It's like how and 2001 and all those sorts of... Um, the computer's gone mad and it's trying to take over the world and how are we going to stop it and we can't get out of the door and, oh, everything's, like, run by the computer. I love all that. This is shenanigans. Um, the doctor in it, who I'd have no idea what the actress is called or anything, but she's super cool Japanese actress, wears some cool clothes and um, has a really nice... She's smoking all the way through it. All of that lent to me the humour of the piece because the rest of it's all a bit serious as well and all a bit like angst ridden and one of the things that it uses as a device is that the characters are taking these drugs and going into a kind of hallucinate hallucinatory 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 dream state and then we're presented whole episodes that take place within that state i just said all of that i don't think you did i don't think you made that clear at all okay And so you get a similar trick to what happened in the show The Americans, although it's a very different show. The Americans! Which is that the lead characters get to play variations of themselves and dress up differently and act differently. Both Jonah Hill and Emma Stone really, like, et that up. They were brilliant. I thought the performances were really terrific in these different contrasting roles, which had something of the original character within them. 
And also, I really love this layered reality thing. I wonder if this is a trend at the moment. I like inspired by stuff like Westworld, Rick and Morty, and things that have always done that, like Doctor Who or whatever. Mr. Robot does a bit of it as well because of the psychodrama inside the main character's head. But this show, Maniac, played with these layers of reality really vividly, so we would get whole episodes that weren't in the real reality, and that was allowed to be quite confusing for a lot of times. It wasn't, like, laid out for us with a trowel what was actually going on. We had to sort of scramble to keep up as an audience, and I absolutely loved that. I felt really... I enjoyed it. But I was wondering if there's a trend of that. There seems to be programme makers are exploring those, those lines between what is television reality or real reality or another layer of reality, whether it's that or... Well, like The Good Place, you mean? The, the Good Place is a really good example where their reality has completely shifted several times throughout the series. Another good example recently is American Vandal, and even things like even things like Unreal. I think it might just be what Netflix keeps serving us up, because we like it. If you're going to have a linear story like this, but then there's some other weird stuff happening, then the structure of this is really neat. It wasn't like Mr Robot, where it starts to get bizarre in the second series. So I just think sometimes people like a bit of that and then the, the conventions, you can come back to it, can't you? Yes. So Maniac is really good. It's got funny moments. It's got really violent moments. It's proper drama, but it's got some really funny funny bits. It's really well scripted. The performance is great. So I was, I was totally on board. Yeah, loved it. Awesome. Awesome. Jingle, jingle. What are you reading for? What are you reading for? What are you reading for at the moment, Reefer, Treacle, Be Cool, Bum, Diddly, Um, Dum, Ding Dong? I'm still reading that enormous fat book that I started some time ago. Oh, uh, yeah, The Ministry of Utmost Happiness. You yeah, have, uh... I'm still playing through that. I told you it was going to be epic. It's really fat, okay? Yeah, yeah. And it's got, like, stories within stories. And what I really love about it, okay, I'm just going to say this really quickly. It's fine. Is... That when I spoke about it, I just started the first part of the story, which actually wasn't. It was like she starts the story with the bit characters, with the with the small characters that aren't even really what the story's about, and then there's this epic account of what's been going on for years in Kashmir, which is divided by many many ethnic groups, and India and Pakistan have been fighting over it and the Kashmiris have been caught in the middle but the Kashmiris aren't really Kashmiris there are disparate groups of lots of different people so it's told in such a magical way through all these stories that almost become like it's a distancy by sort of reading accounts within accounts I'm not sure I'm making any sense here but it reminds me of Scheherazade's Thousand and One Arabian Nights type thing where there's a story within a story within a story and then it all connects in the end anyway I'm well enjoying that that does sound amazing it is amazing and that's a lot more positive than you were I mean you liked it before but basically I know but now it's like like you're reading it and you're thinking what are they? so so authors are pushing those boundaries that's the difference between somebody who's a to creating, writing real literature, modern literature about big topics that are global, that are people are saying to me, I didn't even know anything about this region of the world. And they're having an understanding of it. Whereas sometimes you read things that are popular fiction and it's one linear story and it's not even a story, it's just about the characters and they're not even really saying or doing anything of impact. Then you read something like this and you think, oh my God, this is like Salman Rushdie-esque. What are you reading, Chris? Um, 
The stand-up comedian Robin Ince has written a book. Robin, I know him very slightly, I should say, and and we've got proper friends in common and all that sort of malarkey. He's been really kind to me and given me a bunch of gigs when I was making music over the years. So, full disclosure, I'm a bit biased. He's a really decent bloke. I think one of the most naturally gifted proper stand-up comedians I've ever seen because his comedy is just... Ideas just spill out of him so fast and they are both funny and thought-provoking. Anyway, he has written a book. It's called I'm a Joke and So Are You. Subtitle, A Comedian's Take... (laughs) A a Comedian's Take on What Makes Us Human. So what it is, is an investigation into our brains and what makes us people. He talks to kind of loads of brain doctors and mind doctors. Like, he talks to neuroscientists, he talks to psychologists... And he talks to, and he talks to a whole bunch of really famous stand-up comedians as well. Uh, so the book works on both levels. It is really funny and an enjoyable read. And it's a surprisingly in-depth, complex take on... He tackles some quite profound questions about, I don't know, what makes What's us human. What's it about, Chris? It's about what makes people people. And in a funny way, comedians investigate that more than the rest of us anyway. They are pinpointing what is fallible or attractive or stupid or just interesting about humanity. It's a book about psychology, okay, but it's also a book about humour. But then the two are really intrinsically linked. Nice. Uh, yeah, so I would really recommend it. It's Robin Ince, I'm a Joke and So Are You, a comedian's take on what makes us human. And it's published, it's currently out in hardback. It's published by Atlantic Books. I'm about two thirds of the way through and it's fantastic. And um, we're out. Oh, and no. we're finished. I need to say some things. I've got a few places left for my refigure event. Coincidentally, it's called refigure. Reflect. Um, it's a. <laughs> it's um, my last event of the year where we get together and we do some meditation techniques and some self-reflection and just a bit of a space for people to offload and unload and unpack stuff that's been going on for them. So that's happening on the 21st of November at the Lighthouse in Brighton. I'm going to plug my other podcast. It's kind of niche. If you're interested in theatre making or narrative performance, like storytelling or whatever, and what they call immersive technology, which means like virtual reality and augmented reality and those kind of new tech things, I am producing and co-hosting a podcast called Story Hacker with an XR at the end in conjunction with the old market in Hove and they have a thing called Tom Tech which investigates technology in theatre and it's a sort of fortnightly interview podcast where we talk to some of the leading players in that world so obviously you may not be remotely interested in that in which case don't listen but it's really good I'm doing it with James Turnbull we co-host it and we take turns on doing interviews with people and they are really interesting conversations if you're interested have a listen maybe you like it maybe you won't I don't care yeah, you do care. No, I do care. I do Thank care. you very much for listening to Refigure. If you're not already subscribed, please do that and leave a nice comment. Someone. Uh, that was a typo, sorry. Leave a nice comment. Please. Please. <laughs> uh, thank you. Oh, that was See fun. See you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.